Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This is not a rerun. Today, Magic Johnson changed the entire format of this new episode, new chapter of the gray area. My man goes on first take. I'm already giving up the goods. I'm recording this on a Monday night because it had to happen that way. This guy, first take, Magic Johnson, Laker legend, the face of the franchise. We, we doing this during a playoffs, borderline smear campaign. What the hell is going on? And then, and then the reaction to the peanut gallery. I'm looking around and all of y'all are eating up all of this Magic Johnson food. Y'all just, y'all just slurping the Johnson, huh? Y'all just taking it all in, huh? It's a little ridiculous. The fact that y'all just are willing to believe Magic Johnson without any sort of question, any sort of pushback, makes me question you people. Yes, I'm playing the you people card. This dude signed up for a full-time job, right? And he wanted to perform that full-time job halfway, which means he got hired full-time but only wanted to work part-time. Off the rip, you got to ask yourself, what part of the game is that? Now, I have a full-time job, and I have to be there for the entire time. Super Engineer True has a full-time job, and he has to be there the entire time. Hell, Super Engineer True is recording me, and he can't do half the recording if the show is an hour. He has to do the whole hour. So where does Magic Johnson get off doing a job halfway, getting paid the full way, and thinking that that's okay? And then he comes on first take with his mans, his boy, his ace Boone Coon. Stephen Hairline Smith and thinks that we just gonna all take it in and, <laughs> and let that ride? Come on, son. No way. Absolutely not. He's talking about Rob Palenka. He stabbed me in the back. If it was that, you know, if it was that deep, why would we call names on a media show, right? Why wouldn't we, I said on a media show, on them sports media capitals flagship show outside of Sports Center. If it was that deep public, if it was really that smoky, wouldn't that be handled a different type of way? When, when did the, the Los Angeles Lakers become the basketball wives, the real basketball wives, the real front office of Orange County? When did all of this happen? And y'all just eating it all up because y'all love drama, y'all love BS. And the thing is, Magic Johnson is such a likable guy that he could get away with it. What, what y'all witnessed on first take was Magic Johnson doing what he does best, and that's control the room. 
Magic Johnson got in front of the story. He quit in front of the story. And then got in front of the story before anyone else truly wanted to address it because he knows full well that the Lakers don't have time to address Magic Johnson and Quentin because they have to hire a coach. They have to get ready for the draft. They have to get ready for free agency. They have to shape this roster. So they don't have time to address Magic Johnson getting out of the club before the lights came on. Y'all should have been concerned when Magic Johnson was throwing around qualifiers like, I'm Magic Johnson. I don't worry anything about pressure. I'm Magic Johnson. This is nothing to me. As soon as a powerful and rich man starts throwing around qualifiers, we are all in trouble. Facts. You know, you're going to have listeners out there who's talking about, this is baseless. What do you support this on? I'm supporting it on people. It's not about, oh, stats and information. It's about knowing people. My experience with people lets me know that a person who's pushing a Billy like Magic Johnson does never, he never has to qualify anything that he does. And as soon as he threw that I'm Magic Johnson line out there, he starts feeling the way. He's questioning himself. The, the fact remains is he never really wanted to do this job to the maximum. What GM, excuse me, what head of basketball ops do you know is in the office a little bit. You know, I'm a pastor. I'm a comfortable. What's good, y'all? Magic Johnson. LeBron's on the way. Kay, you know, Kawhi's on the way. You know? What's good, guys? Yeah, yeah, I'm about to go to Dodger Stadium and have a Dodger dog. You know? Yo, yo, Rob, you good? You want something, bro? Rob, yeah, Rob. Um, I, I, I'd like to, you know, make some trades and, and you know, fortify this roster. No, nah, no, nah, but I'm going to the Dodgers game. They're in the World Series, bro. The Dodgers. Dodger dogs. But the Lakers, no, the Dodgers. That's what happened with Magic Johnson and the Los Angeles Lakers. Secondly, y'all busy drinking the Kool-Aid. Y'all busy believing him. He got that billion-dollar smile, right? And he lied right through his teeth, and it went over most of y'all heads. Because I'm not going to make the blanket statement that it was all of y'all. It was most of you. Because Rob is a scumbag, and Magic is awesome. Magic Johnson took the job, right? And he said that if I don't get this done within two to three years, if I don't get a get a, a, a superstar player into the Lakers, he's going to resign, right? That's what he said. These are his words. I'm not making this up. None of this is baseless. It's all facts. He said it. Only to then say on first take, y'all beloved show, because I don't understand you sports fans. If you're such a knowledgeable sports fan, why the hell are you spending so much time watching his first take? But he said on first take that I told Rob that after three years, I'm leaving. So which one is it, Magic? Are you leaving in two to three years if you don't get anybody? Or are you leaving in three years? He just lying, Magic. You were never going to stay. You were never committed. This was not something you were going to do for the long term. You were coming to swoop in, sign a couple names, get the adulation, and dip off. Keep it 100. Fact. People in the office start questioning you like, bro, how are you supposed to be making hardcore franchise-altering decisions if you're not in the office? Facts. Of course Rob is going to start asking questions. Now, don't get me wrong. You can't absorb of this, Rob of this. Why? Because Rob is also a scumbag. It's two scumbags in the room, if you ask me. Magic's a scumbag. Rob is a scumbag, you know? But they operate from different levels. Nobody knows Rob. All of you jabronis out here drinking up this Kool-Aid. Nobody likes Rob Palenka. You can't trust Rob. Nobody likes Rob. You can't trust Rob. Who knew Rob Palenka before he got this job? Besides hardcore Laker and Kobe fans. How the hell the whole league don't trust him all of a sudden? 
The popular guy, Magic Johnson, controls the room. When he controls said room, that means he controls a lot of people in that room. Magic Johnson is the face of the NBA. You don't think he got friends all over this league? That's one thing he told that was the truth. He has friends everywhere. Everywhere. So if, Ma- if Rob is like, yo, where's Magic? And Rob is like, I like to get certain things done, but Magic is not in the room. Of course it's going to get back to Magic. Of course. You know? Magic Johnson is a Teflon Don in the NBA. Rob Palenka is a worker. He's still on the corner. He's not made yet. So he can't speak on a boss if he's not a boss. This is one plus one equals two. The boss, nobody nobody wants to see Rob Palenka on first take, but all y'all definitely will pull up to watch Magic Johnson on first take. All Magic Johnson did was run out the back door, a.k.a. leave the club when the lights came on, knew that nobody would challenge him because he's that dude and got things done how he wanted it to get done. He never wanted to stay around, right? He never wanted to do certain things the way they needed to be done. And then when people started questioning him and he started to look bad because he kind of gave himself away, I keep telling you, y'all got to read between the lines. None of y'all, y'all just trust these people ad nauseum, verbatim. He said that the Bus Brothers wanted more power. When people saw, you know, you know, craving and salivating more power when there's already a boss in play. That means that they feel they could do a better job than said boss in play. Rob Lincoln felt that way. The Bus Brothers felt that way. Because they're looking at Magic, who's supposed to be in charge, and he's hardly here. How is he making trades for guys like Muscala if he doesn't even know the roster? If he doesn't know the, the capabilities of the roster? How do you know who's good on your team if you're about to trade six for two? And the thing is, for you, for you bozo Laker fans who didn't believe that the trade was what it was, he admitted it on your beloved first take, you bozo. Facts. He was giving up six for two. How are you going to trade six for two <laughs> if you don't even know your squad? Help me understand this. I'm so confused. You guys love Magic. Magic wasn't the right guy for this job. You know, he gave up a whole bunch of players that he ended up lamenting giving up on first take. <laughs> Come on, if Magic is home team Lakers, why is he on a show that lambastes us on a regular basis? Why not just why not just be a man about it? He knew he was wrong. That's why he snuck out the back door, couldn't face Genie. Because he was looking crazy in the office. Anytime people move a certain way or they move a way that makes them look crazy it's because they do look crazy and they're doing crazy things. If Magic was, he's talking about, well, as a man, I did what I needed to do. That is another qualifier. Once again, when a powerful person is providing qualifiers for their actions, they know they are dead wrong. If Magic was on his own two feet and knew he was dead right about that situation in Los Angeles, he'd have quit to Genie's face, he'd have told Rob to FOH, he'd have told the Bus Brothers to FOH, and would have kept it pushing. These are the facts. Facts. These are the facts. If you don't want to believe that, you're willing to keep your head under them pillows, head in the clouds, and pray for the best. I'm a Laker fan who calls it how I see it. You got blind faith Laker fans out here who, 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 who say, oh, we're not going to talk bad about the Lakers. No, you got to. When your family doesn't act right, if you really vibe about your family, you got to air out these situations so that we can get better. I'm not speaking against the family, but I'm just talking about a person who, you know, Fredo, Magic, Magic is Fredo. Yes, he is. Fredo went out there, had too much fun in Vegas, and tried to clean it up on the back end, and we all look bad right now. Magic, you're not going to get away with this. The rest of y'all can believe it, but this is why we do the great area. The Road to 50, Chapter 48, Super Engineer True. Run the intro, please. 
Yeah, uh, I tell them welcome to the gray area and stay away just in case you ain't real enough to relate. Every other Thursday, politics to the chips, get up on this wave. <laughs> now tell me what's to talk about, cause we the only thing to talk about. How you keep reality in check, just keep it real rap and don't gossip with the facts, yeah. Magic Johnson is out here lacking. The NBA playoffs are in full swing, but yet I keep hearing about everything off the court. This is the gray area chapter 48, the road to 50s in full swing. And I have a new member to the gray area family, a new guest who's stepping into the realm. Much like everyone else, I scout you. I listen to your shows. I see what you're doing on the net before I send that invite because just anybody can't come up here worth the fuck mask to flex. You know what I mean? But I wanted to invite you all to, you know, give a round of applause to Damien Adams, host of The Real Deal with Damien Adams. Welcome to the gray area, my friend. Oh, thank you, man. I'm a big fan of yours, and it means a lot that I got to come on this show. Like you said, can't everybody be on here, so it means I'm doing something right. That's a whole fact. I mean, for me, it's about being knowledgeable, not not regurgitating narratives, and and, and just being good at what you do. Like every the podcast game is is as crowded as as it's ever been, in my opinion. So I, like I, feel, I look for people who stand out, who do it, who not necessarily pure, but they, they true to what they do and and they serious about their craft. I'm like this guy's valid. Like he's out here, he's grinding, he's throwing his IG videos up, he's putting his podcast out. I like this guy. Let, let me invite him on. So here we are, man. And you, you talk a lot of NBA. It's, it's it's basically the best time of the NBA season if you're an NBA fan. So I have to ask because I know that you heard about it. We all we all heard about it. Magic Johnson, first take. You know everything that you heard him say. How, how do you feel about? It? What's your takeaways from his interview today? It's, it, it put a little more clarity on what happened when he had the press conference. Because okay. when he first had the little impromptu press conference where he just quit, I was like, man, that was you know it seemed real unprofessional of him to just quit like that. He quit right. like, you know, like a teenager at McDonald's who was tired of flipping the fries. Right. Like, he just, he just, he just, he just, like, he just walked out like, I'm done. You know, you know, I can't do these fries no more. But doing the interview, having more nuance with it, definitely put, you know, a little more, a little more there that I could be like, okay, now I see what happened. And I can understand, you know, you feeling like you can't trust the people around you. And for someone like Magic, he had so many choices, right? So if he's not enjoying what he's doing, He's like, why am I doing this? Right. Like, you know, most people don't have the choices he has. So if he's not enjoying his job, he's like, all right, I'm done with this. I can just go back to owning my businesses, doing what I do. You know, there's no reason for him to do something he doesn't enjoy. So I definitely got that from the interview. That this is true. This is wasn't true. Enjoyable for him. Like you, de- yeah. you know what? You definitely nailed it. Like, like the way he quit was definitely like that. That scene at Half Bake when he was like, "F you, F you, you cool, F you." That's basically how he left the Lakers. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's what happened. I mean, I'm on the other side of that, Damien. I, I'm, I'm a little skeptical of of his quitting. I, I believe that they, they, like he's throwing Rob under the bus. But a, a, a large part of me believes that Magic Johnson, and that's what the monologue was about, I, I think that he wasn't doing his job and felt the type of way about people who who, who can't touch him, who, who don't even belong to sit at the table with him talking crazy about him. And he decided to remove himself from the situation before it got a little too crazy because 
you know, the, the Bus Brothers want more power. Rob Palenka want more power. Magic got a full-time gig, but only does it part-time. You can't part-time the Lakers. And I felt like people inside the Laker offices were looking at him like, yo, what's up? You know, wh- wh- what are you doing? And he got tired of it, and he left. That's that's my takeaway from the whole thing. Now, I definitely feel you on that. And that's the thing I got from the interview. When he said that he told Jeannie Bus. I have my businesses. I'm going to be in and out. Mm-hmm. They should have solved that right there. She should have told him, Yo, you have to be full-time right. if you're going to do this job. If you're going to be part-time, we got to give you a different title like ambassador of the Lakers. Right. And you can come in and just chime in on meetings and whatnot. Oh, so you're saying the basketball- basically the position he had before when he was a special advisor to Genie Buzz. He never needed a, a promotion. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't. You could have gave him more responsibility. You just said, oh, now we're going to give you this. We want you to be in on more meetings. We're going to make sure you're on all these email chains, give you more responsibility. But he didn't need the actual promotion to president because, like you say, he doesn't have the time to be a capable president because mm-hmm. he's doing so much more. Yo, you you are right. This is why I needed you to come on. Like, I'm, I'm usually fans of my guests. So when I when my guests come through and they're cooking how they cook on their own show or my show, I, I get very envious of myself. Like, you're, you're cooking right now. I just feel like magic, <laughs> you know, like... Like, Jeannie, and it speaks to the Lakers as a whole. Like like I said, this is like the, the real front office of, of Orange County. You know, there's so much failing <laughs> happening in Los Angeles. And, and, and I didn't even speak on Jeannie in the monologue, but you make that point so valid that when Magic told you that he got other things going on, he basically was like, well, oh, man, baby, you know, I love you, girl, but I got these other women over here. I got to give them their time, too. <laughs> that should have been a problem. Jeannie should have said, you know what, Irving, Irving, this ain't it. You, I, I'm gonna get someone else to do the job. David Griffin was already out there. You could have brought him in with Rob Palenka. Yeah. Off the rip, Magic should. If, if Magic said that he was giving Rob when he got the title, he should have raised his eyebrows off the rip then too. Like it was a failure across the board. He doesn't even know Rob like that. Why are we working together? Why are you taking a job if you can't do it full time? Jeannie, what are you doing? You're out here moving like Jim. You got Jim up out of here. You got Mitch Kupchak up out of here just to make the same moves Jim was doing. You're making us look even crazier than than we were with Jim Bus. It's tough times for Laker fans right now, man. Hey, I feel your pain. I feel your pain. Um, as a Pelicans fan, I'm oh. glad that you guys did not pick up David Griffin. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so I'm, 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 you know, I'm not too mad at that. Hey. Um, just to go a little separate on your metaphor about, you know, the guy who has other women on the side. Mm-hmm. Like, if he's getting that job, you got to marry that job. You got to put a ring on it. Put a ring. <laughs> so that's something. Yeah. So that's that's you got to be full time that job. So I definitely agree with that. hundred percent. I, I just did that. So and I heard that you 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 know on your episode you saw you talked about getting engaged. So we we in the same boat over here, bro. I didn't retire. You about to retire. <laughs> Yeah, the, the jersey is up there, bro. It's yes, hanging sir. up in the, in the yes, rafters right now. Um, <laughs> speaking of your Pelicans, big news came down the pike. You guys, out of left field, won the lottery. What, what, what were your thoughts? What were you feeling as this unfolded, this unexpected gift that fell into your lap? Oh, man, I was so hyped because I didn't expect it at all. You know, uh, I'm pretty sure you know a lot of Knicks fans, you know, being in New York. Yeah, that were. Yeah, expecting to get the pick, right? Mm-hmm. So, for as a Pelicans fan, I had no expectations going there. I'm just hoping. Like, hopefully we get a top four pick. Hopefully we can get lucky, have the ping pong balls bounce away a little bit. But once we got in that top four, it was like, okay, this might really happen. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm, I'm still kind of cautious. I didn't want to get my hopes too high. And then after they called the Lakers, and they called the Knicks, and it was between us and Memphis, I'm like, oh, man. You know, I was just happy at top two because I, I love John Moran, too. So I'm like, all right, we can get top two. I'm good there. 
Then we get number one. The man, I lost my mind. I ran around the house. <laughs> like it was it was a crazy moment. <laughs> like I was super hyped about it. I think Zion's gonna be a great player and a great building piece for us, you know, post A D. So I'm really hyped about that. Ain't nothing like going somewhere expecting one thing and getting double what you asked for. It's a beautiful thing, you know? Yeah, definitely. That's what exactly what happened. Like I said, I wasn't I had no expectations going in. We only had a six percent chance. Mm-hmm. So I was like, Okay, you know, whatever we get, cool, let's hopefully get a good draft pick. But getting the one pick was the farthest thing from my mind. So I'm just hyped, just so hyped that that happened. So, you know, are, are you trying to see if Zion coming could sway the unibrow AD to stick around? Or are you prepared for him to make his exit regardless of the draft? I'm already prepared for him to make his exit. Because you think about it, he, he made the announcement that he wanted to go, you know, mid last year. So mm-hmm. Pelican fans, we already, in our minds, have already dealt with the fact that he's going to be gone. You know, part of me wants it to get over already. Let's right. go ahead and try to get the best thing for him. Let's not linger on it because I don't want it to go into the season where we still have Anthony Davis and he still wants to go. Because now this is the last year of his contract now. So now you, you want to get something for him while the expectations and the value of him is still high. Right. So if you wait too long and you wait till midseason, now people are going to be like, oh, I'm not going to give you, you know, this incredible package for only half a season of AD. But if you give him for a full season, you can get a better package. There's a lot of, you know, different packages we can get. I understand not wanting to deal with the Lakers because of what happened and how they felt like the Lakers trying to bully them into the deal. But we can get a we can get a good deal from Boston or my dream deal would be Memphis. I would love to get that number two pick from Memphis so we mm-hmm. can build around Zion and John Morant, but that's probably out of the question. But that would be my dream deal to try to do that. But whatever's the best deal, let's do it during the summer get it over with and move on and build in the Zion era because of course I'm not even really mad at AD I understand we had bad management before and he's kind of tired of that situation uh-huh. even though the management is different now so I'm not mad at Anthony Davis for it I want him to go on and you know have his best career but let's go ahead and just separate and both live our best lives and go ahead and just go on with the situation agreed I mean to, to piggyback on that point I'm at a space where like I'm tired of Basketball fans asking me about, do you think AD is coming to LA? I don't. I don't even want to have that conversation anymore. I, I I told him just last week. I said, listen, if he comes, he comes. If he doesn't, he doesn't. Like I don't care. I'm not even reading any articles about it. I'm not chasing that story anymore. To me, it's a non-story at this point. I I, I just think that he needs to be traded for the sanity of the NBA fan. There's so many other stories. There's so many other things going on in the league that we continuously are talking about. This player, as great as he is, we don't want to hear that anymore, bro. You know? And that's where I'm at. And then to the other major story in the league. I'm getting all the storylines out of the way before we get it on the court. Kevin Durant, you know, all signs point east. All signs point to New York City. A lot of people expect the Knicks. I'm one of the few outliers to say I think Kevin Durant's going to okie-doke everyone and go to Brooklyn. Um, Chris Broussard made some comments that KD responded to via Twitter talking about his legacy taking a hit with the success that the Warriors have had without him in his absence. Uh, I believe that, and I've said this many times, Kevin Durant is the ultimate cheat code for the Golden State Warriors. Steph Curry is the linchpin of everything that happens there. Everything, that entire orbit of Golden State revolves around Steph Curry because he broke the game. I say, I say this repeatedly. He broke the game. He broke the geometry of the game. You can, there's no, there's, we, every other team talks about spacing. 
When you have Steph Curry on the floor, spacing is not an issue because he's so far behind the three-point line, and you have to account for him so far beyond the three-point line that there's so much area on the court for other players on the Warriors to, to you know, to take advantage of. And when you look at defensive rotations, more often than not, team defense is hedging to whatever side Steph Curry is on, which gives a player of Kevin Durant's ilk one-on-one matchups that he feasts on regularly. He knew what he signed up for. He knew the basketball reasons of why he signed up for what he signed up for in Golden State. So when the media, in my opinion, creates this whole thing about legacies and they don't count and it's an asterisk, it's nonsense. KD went to Golden State because he knew that his skill set, along with what the Warriors do, creates an impossible situation, and that's what he wanted. He wanted championships. So when I look at Bruce Allman making these comments, it's like, you know, of course KD is going to respond because you, you, you're trying to control this man's profession by way of words. He's on the court. Broussard is talking. I don't think that's fair, Damien. Where do you fall with this whole KD legacy, Warriors, Knicks, Nets, whatever? What, what do you think about all of that? Well, as far as his legacy goes, I was I was one of the people that did criticize him for making that move. I did think it was a weak move for him to go to Golden State. I dig it. And and become the ultimate luxury. <laughs> like even, it's not just us fans that describe him as that. Steve Kerr himself has called Kevin Durant the ultimate luxury item. Yeah. But when you're when you're a player of that stature, someone who's going to go down probably as top 10 all time, you shouldn't be described as a luxury item. Mm-hmm. Like there's, we haven't seen this before. Like a lot of people like to say we've had super teams before, which is true. We've yeah. had, you know, the 80s Celtics, 80s Lakers, 90s Bulls, the 2000s Lakers. We've had super teams, but the difference between those teams and this team is that if those teams lost their best player, they went from great to good. Right. When Kevin Durant is gone, they go from unbeatable to, to great. great. <laughs> that's, <laughs> like, that's the difference in this situation. That's why a lot of people look at his two rings and don't give him credit. Now, you have to give him due because he's a beast. Mm-hmm. He got two finals MVPs. He came onto a team with Steph Curry and became the best player on that team. I think it. So you have to give him credit in that aspect of it. But I do think if he goes and he leaves and goes to the New York Knicks or the Brooklyn Nets, I would love if he went to the Nets. Like that would be awesome. Just <laughs> just because it would just shake up the league so much. Yes. But if he if he does that and goes to a different team and wins there, I believe that one ring at a different place would be more to his legacy than the two rings he's got already with Golden State and the third one he'll probably get this year okay okay so more, more, you're more in line with the whole like LeBron went to Miami cooked but that, that ring in Cleveland weighs heavier than the two in Miami that's kind of where we're going with that but uh, there's a difference between those though with LeBron and Cleveland that, the reason that ring means so much is because Cleveland was going through a championship drought of what 50 something years yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's his hometown like LeBron, another another super team you could bring up. If LeBron is not playing in Miami, the way we had Chris Bosh are a very good team. Yeah. They make the playoffs. They probably get to the second round, but they don't win championships. True. So that's the yeah, it's the difference between these this team and every other super team in history. It's essentially, Golden State took what Miami did and made it two point That that's that's what we looked at right there. It's a similar situation, yeah. a, a collection of players with one dynamic force that changes it. But in Golden State's case, you have two dynamic forces because you can't tell me Steph is not dynamic. You have people right now like there's a lot of people trying to poo poo what Steph is doing, and, and and I wanted to ask you about that. Where do you fall with Steph Curry? Are you are you one of those who poo poo what he does? Or you understand fully what he's doing on the court and how he impacts the game? No, he definitely has such an impact on the game. And even when he's not shooting well, like, for example, game six against Houston, where Mm -hmm. in the first half he didn't score any points. 
but Golden State was still tied with Houston going into halftime. You're like, oh, you know, Steph didn't do much. But if you look at the game, he's opened up so much more for right. everybody else like you described earlier. When he's scoring zero points, that's because the attention he get, he gathers is just so huge. You know, like I described to Marshall one time, if he's in the parking lot, your best player better be in the parking lot with him. Yes. If he's, if he's in the bathroom, your best player better be outside the stall right there waiting because he can shoot from there and make it. So you have to you have to be right there with him, and of course that messes up everything else on defense. And when he when this type of style they have right now without Kevin Durant, you do the high pick and roll with Draymond. Mm-hmm. Next thing you know they're trapping Steph. Draymond gets the ball, he's going downhill. Next thing you know you got a layup or you got an open three for Clay, and it happens every time. You can't stop it. It's the most unstoppable <laughs> set in basketball. That one four pick and roll with Steph yeah. and Draymond is the most unstoppable play I might have ever seen. I'm not even trying to like drag it. Like I'm thinking about it. Because it's like if you trap Steph, Draymond goes downhill, right? If you decide yeah. that, that you don't want to trap Steph and you switch the big on the Steph, he cooks the big. He gets it. He could pull the three or he or he drives and feeds for a dunk. The play is unstoppable. And don't let Clay be on the same side as the pick and roll. Because when Steph decides to drive and they collapse on Steph, you kick it out to Clay. Money. The play is unstoppable. And it's like I'm literally on Facebook. And there's people trying to tell me that Steph is overrated, Steph is this and Steph is that. I'm like, do y'all understand basketball? At this point, I'm really questioning, do you know what you're looking at out here? Because Steph doesn't have to score. When he does score, it's really unfair. But it's like what he brings to the table literally is impossible to deal with. I told people KD was out. I said, look, there's too many slow-footed bigs on Portland. They're food, even without KD. And we're looking at it right now. It's 3-0. Because of the fact that if you don't have a defensive game plan for number 30, if you don't have a good pace and space team or a small ball lineup like Houston, Houston has a P.J. Tucker out there who can move his feet. Kind of, he plays like a Draymond light role on defense. I don't know if it's been on defense, but he can he can hedge, he can play like halfway and even close on Steph and help out if Steph gives the ball up. But I looked at Portland and I'm like, Portland has nobody. They have slow-footed bigs everywhere. They are barbecue chicken. And what we've seen thus far is exactly that. It's unfair. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with you there. And what I noticed a lot when I talk to people on Facebook, not everybody, there's mm-hmm. people like the, out there like us who really watch the game, but a lot of people watch the, watch the box score. Yeah, true. And, and they look at the box score and they see the stats and they're like, okay, this is why I'm going to make my argument. And stats have a, a big space in the argument. Like, I talk about stats all the time. But if the stats don't go along with you actually watching the game, you can tell right away when that argument happens. True. And that's when you're like, okay, I see that you, all you did was look at the box score in this game and actually didn't watch the game. So cause to say Steph is overrated is crazy. <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> it's just nuts because like, his, his impact is just phenomenal in the game, man. It's, yeah, it's, you can't say that, man. All right, so let's take it to the court. We, we, we spent enough time in the Western Conference. We'll get back there in a second. Um, Eastern Conference Finals. We we have the Toronto Raptors going up against the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, I'm at first just just to be like an outlier. I picked Toronto to, to win in seven, but the way Milwaukee looks, even in defeat, they look like the clear cut better team. Like they are comfortable against the Raptors. They they were a few bounces here or there from taking Game Three. Um, is the series over? Do, do you expect Toronto to get game four and make it interesting, or do you think this is going to be a gentleman sweep? I'm leaning more gentleman sweep. Okay. Um, just like you, I did pick Toronto at the beginning. I believe that you know they would have their role players that didn't step up in the Philly series mm-hmm. help Kawhi out a little more, and they did in game four. Like Marcus Gasol was great. 
Uh, Norman Powell had a great game and shouldn't have thought out. Like, that was a horrible call mm-hmm. when he got pushed in the back and they yeah, called but, the following Yeah, absolutely. And I thought, coming into the series, I thought those players would be more essential throughout the series. And after the first three games, like you said, you could just see the difference in talent between these teams. So, of course, you got Giannis and Kawhi as the top two players. Mm-hmm. Then after that, you could probably name four or five players that you would take off of Milwaukee before right. you take those players off of Toronto, right? Because Pascal Siakam, as you know, much as he has improved this year and deserves to get much improved, you no know, most improved player, mm-hmm. has times where you just leave him alone. Yeah, you know, there's times where you, if he's not in that corner, he don't like the rest of that three point line. It's like lava. Like he's not he's not trying <laughs> to step at the rest of that three point line at all if it's not the corner. So you recognize that and you're like, okay, we just leave him alone. Marcus All has times where he's like, he doesn't want to shoot. He's playing hot potato. You know, Kyle Lowry, we all know about his playoff troubles. Even though uh, he's been better these playoffs, especially in game one. That was that was a big a big loss, the fact that they lost game one with Kyle Lowry getting seven three. Yes. Yeah, you get you get seven threes from Kyle Lowry, you've got to win that game. So that was one of the signs I was like, Oh, you're not gonna get another game like that from Kyle Lowry. So after watching three games, it feels like both Toronto and Portland have the same issue where they have to play perfect and Milwaukee and, and Golden State have a much larger room for error. Agreed, agreed. Like, I, I'll piggyback that and say that whereas Toronto has to play perfect, all Milwaukee has to do is put maybe a couple of 10-minute stretches together where they'll blow you out of the water, and that's the ball game. A 15-2 run, a 17-4 run, and that's the game, and that's what they do. Like They come at you in waves, and then there's this length. You know, Brooke Lopez... Giannis, Miritich, Ilyasova, these guys are long. Middleton, long, athletic shooters, can run the floor. They 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 decent defenders. Giannis is a great defender. This team is this team is built. If there's a team that's built to play with Golden State to a degree from a length and shooting perspective, it's Milwaukee. Um, I'm hoping that Toronto can at least steal another game. Make make it go six. Get get the two two. Make it somewhat compelling. I'm just concerned that Kawhi's limping around. I felt like Toronto, you know, sometimes you watch a series and you feel like that team that was down 0-2, they shot their best shot in game three and they and they, they right for the pick and the rest of the way. That's what game three felt like to me. They, they got their game and the rest the rest of the way, we're going to look at Milwaukee and be like, all right, this team is going to the finals. But I'm hoping that Kawhi has a 45 piece and, and, and Kyle Lowry remembers how to play. But Siakam, though, man, there's a lot of hype about this player. And to me, I don't know, maybe I'm being too harsh, but I feel as though Siakam has folded up in his postseason. I feel like he has not shown up at all. Am I off base in saying that? No, he's definitely had some moments where uh, my man Bomani Jones would describe it as lemon booty. It gets tight. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Like, he's had had some of those moments where you you could see him get tight, especially like uh, in the game. The only reason he went to overtime is he got tight at the free throw line. Mm -hmm. Missed two free throws. So he's had moments where he's He's got he's strong, you know. He's had those honey I strung the kids moments. Yeah. And for that's the thing though, with him he's young. And this is his first year being in a prominent role. So I'm not going to beat him up for it. Now who I will beat up for it? Kyle Lowry, veteran. You can't be stringing in these moments. True. Marcus All, you've been around forever. You've been in deep playoff runs with Memphis. You know what it takes to get here. You can't string in these moments. So even though Pascal Siakam has had his bad moments, that's when Marcus saw Kyle Lowry and those guys had to step up. So Siakam's had his moments where he's had the lemon booty, 
but you expect that from a young player. This is true. Even like Fred Van Vliet, Van Vliet. I can't even say his name. Like it's like he's nondescript. Mark Gasol was supposed to be an impact deadline pickup. I mean, he's a vet. He's been through the wars of Zebo. Since when is he playing a hot potato in the postseason? When did he become soft? When when did I miss this? I don't know when it happened. Like it seemed like it happened overnight. And maybe it happened and we didn't see it because Memphis was doing bad and we mm-hmm. weren't really mm-hmm. weren't watching Memphis like that. So maybe it happened we just didn't notice. Ah, but sad. this Marcus saw that we're watching is definitely not the same one we saw in those battles against the Clippers and all that during the playoffs. It's not the same guy. And he's getting paid, isn't he? Isn't it? Didn't he sign a max deal with, with, with Milwaukee before he got traded? Not Milwaukee, uh, Memphis. Yeah, now he got a he got a pretty big deal. I'm trying. To, I don't know what year he's in. I want to say this is the last year of the deal. I hope so. He definitely so. is on a big deal. Lowry making thirty million per to be a role play. What, what what's going on in Toronto? <laughs> yeah, Lowry. That's the thing with Lowry. Lowry does have a big impact on the game, even when he's not scoring. Like he's a great defender, great help defender. Right. He knows how to run the offense. So that's one thing I think people do be a little hard on Kyle Lowry saying he doesn't have an impact mm-hmm. when he's not scoring because his scoring could be, his lack of scoring could be just so glaring at times, right. especially when he's, you know, cricking shots. Like he's shooting those, he's out there building houses. Mm-hmm. People uh, tend to notice that first, but, you know, before he knows other things. Listen, but he definitely has to shoot better. He, he, he shot better in this league, though. 30 million a year? There's no excuses. You, you know, they're not paying you 30 million to be a decoy. You gotta, you gotta give him at least 19. Come on, Kyle. Come on. Yeah. No, that's true. That's yeah. true. I agree with that. Let's let's slide over to the Western Conference. We touched on it earlier. Uh, Golden State just simply overwhelming Portland. There was a lot of talk prior to the series, you know, from the talking heads and fans alike, that Portland were, was live in this series. They had a chance. No KD. You know, they they, they they had every chance to knock off the two-time defending world champions. I was not one of those people. I'm pretty sure you weren't either. But where do you feel like things went wrong for Portland in this series? Is it is it the, the separated rib of Dame Lillard, or is it more on the court more so than injuries? Uh, the moment it went wrong is when Golden State won. Uh. Like, that was the moment <laughs> when they beat Houston. At that moment, it went wrong. Like, there was nothing I don't believe Portland could have done mm. differently, honestly. Um, game one, it was horrible. Like, they played horrible defense in game one. Yeah. Letting, just letting Steph and Clay walk in the shot. And I believe that was just a fatigue factor. You know, they come off a tough seven-game yeah. series. There was a quick turnaround. So, game one, I'm like, okay, you know, they're going to make adjustments. We'll see. Game two, I thought was their best game. Um, they played well. Then, Golden State went on that run in the second half. I think that Steph and Steph's relationship is the perfect metaphor for this series. Mm. Golden State's the big brother. Portland's the little brother. And as good as Portland can get, as much as they may succeed, they're never going to be better than their big brother. And that's what you're pretty much seeing in this series. Like, you're seeing Dame Lillard, as great as he is, is not going to be as good as Steph. CJ McCollum, as great as he can be, like there's times that CJ McCollum just looks unstoppable. Yeah, game seven. He's not gonna be. Yeah, he was unstoppable in game seven. He's not gonna be as consistent as Clay. So when you have that matchup where Steph and Clay are just a little bit better than your backcourt, that's your stars, and then you don't have that third player like a Draymond that can really change things for you. Like Rodney Hood's been good in his playoffs. But he, he's not going to be enough. You know, uh, Evan Turner had his one moment in game hmm. seven. <laughs> but you're, you just don't have that third guy. And we've been saying that about Portland for years. You need that third guy that 
third guy and um, Yusef Nurkic was doing it for him before he got hurt you know hopefully he recovers from that broken leg yeah but even if he was healthy I don't think he would have helped out in this series because of, like you mentioned earlier he would have been one of those slow uh, feet guys to be out there trying to chase around Steph and it just wouldn't have worked they so need, I just they need they themselves a PJ Tucker type of player yes I don't know, man. Yes, I definitely agree with that. I'm a, I, I, I'll, I'll be honest with you now. You know, I, I, I don't want to feel like I'm killing Portland because I enjoy the way they play the game. I love the guard play of McCollum and Lillard. Like a year ago, I was one of, one of those people who was like, hey, it's time to split these guys up. You got to go in a different direction. I was calling for, for Bradley Bill to come out west and trade McCollum for Bill straight up just to change things up a little bit. But the fact that they bounced back from a shaky playoff exit a year ago getting swept out by the Unibrown company, your squad, to, to now Western Conference Finals, you got to give them their due. But selfishly, I wanted to see the Denver Nuggets versus Golden State. I believe this, you know, styles make fights. I believe that the way Denver played the game and their approach to the game would have been more of an entertaining series, more pushback than, than where Portland is. Am I wrong or do you think the outcome would remain the same? Golden State in four or five. No, I think it would have been a better series because Golden State has no answer for um, Jokic. Mm. Like, none at all. So I think Nicole Jokic would have been able to control the pace. They probably would try to slow it down mm-hmm. and make it just a grind-out series with Portland. And I think they could have won two games. Right. I think they could have, not with Portland, excuse me, with Golden State. They could have won two games, I think, and made it a six-game series. You would have saw Jokic have one of those crazy 40, 10 and 10 games. And the thing with Denver, though, Jamal Murray. Yeah. What Jamal Murray are you going to get? Right. Like, are you going to get the Jamal Murray that's out here dunking on people and hitting threes and getting you 25 points? Are you going to get Jamal Murray that's going 3, 4, 18 and not being an impact? And he's someone who's not a great defender yet. I think he can develop into a good defender, but he's not a great defender yet. So when he's not scoring, he's a minus for you because he's not good on defense. So he has those games. If he's out there not defending well, they have no chance against Golden State. So it just depends on his consistency in that series. But I think it would have been a bad series in that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you have the Paul Millsap factor. He's feisty. Golden State doesn't like those bigs who are grungy and will throw a forearm in your ribs and things of that nature. And I felt like the overall feistiness of Denver, Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, I mentioned Millsap, Jokic, a few other players that come off the bench. They, they have a feisty roster, and Golden State doesn't like physical teams. That's so why I was like, I, I kind of wanted to see where these young boys would have been at measuring up against the champs. You know, again, these are, this is no shot at Portland because on the flip side of that, and I'm, I'm going to throw this your way in a second, I enjoyed watching Dame's running this playoff. To me, Dame had his, his you know, elite status validated. He got his blue check, to, to use a social media reference, in these playoffs. <laughs> Like, he, he had a lot of followers the whole time, you know? He had a million followers, but the Instagram wasn't verifying his, con- his, his his content and his page. But going through Russell Westbrook, a.k.a. Chase Brook, in the first round, seven game, game seven on the road, you know? He didn't play well, but he hit a couple of big buckets in that fourth quarter. He got his blue check, you know? But I really wanted Denver to, to, to push through and see what it was. But I'm going to circle back now. I mentioned Chase Brook. Versus Dame Lillard, with this playoff run, can, can can they swap places? In your opinion, you, you you if you believe that Westbrook is still a better player, I won't knock you. But I'm prepared to put Dame in the upper echelon and knock Chasebrook down a few pegs. You, where are you at with that argument? I think it's valid. 
That's the thing. For me, I had Damian Lillard ahead of Westbrook before the series. My man. I knew I liked And <laughs> um, a lot of people would tell, say I'm crazy because, of course, like I said earlier, a lot of people look at the box score. Mm-hmm. You look at the box score for Westbrook, you see a triple-double. And a lot of people, that's a crazy thing. If you're going to argue with the box score, all you got to do is scroll over and you see that shooting percentage. Right. <laughs> and he's like, okay, you see why people have their negative things about Westbrook. Westbrook is a great player. Do not get me wrong. He, so you have to be great to average triple double, right? You have to be great to do that. There's a reason he's only the second person to do it, the first person to do it multiple years. But when it comes to the playoffs, efficiency matters, right? And you can't just be out here going like they in game. I can't remember exactly what game it was in the first round. It was it was game five. Damian Lillard scored 50 points and only shot the ball two more times than Westbrook. That's crazy. He shot at 30, Lillard shot it 33 times. Westbrook shot it 31 times. Westbrook only scored 29 points that game and two on two less shots than what Lillard did. And it's like, it matters. Because now when you have those long threes, you get long rebounds. Yep. Leads to fast breaks. These the points for the other team. Easy buckets. These little things that a lot of people don't think about when it comes to missing your shots. You missing layups. That's just deflating. When you, you your team thinks you got a layup, you're going too fast. You're going like Charles Barkley described it perfectly. There's times where Westbrook is going 100 miles per hour where he only has to go 70. And he's getting to the rim too fast and he's blowing layups. That's no excuse. You can't be blowing layups, man. You understand maybe your shots off that day. Distribute the ball. Man. Get other people involved. Like it's so for me, Lillard was already above Westbrook, and he just solidified that with his performance in the first round. Yo, you so are I was already preaching. there. You are preaching. I, I <laughs> when I tell you, I've said the same thing verbatim. Like just do a little less, Westbrook, because if you if you do a little bit less and you play more under control, your game becomes more efficient. People talk about the triple doubles, but I always say for all his triple doublery, yeah, his efficiency negates all of the positives that he brings to the table. If anything, it kind of counterbalances it. So he really he he he, he kind of takes away from his own impact. And that's the strangest thing to say from a person averaging a triple double. But if you're shooting like 39, 40% from the field, you're turning the ball over, you're blowing layups, you're creating opportunities for the opposition. So you're not really you're not playing from ahead with a 10, 15 point lead. You're always in these dog fights against good teams because you are inefficient. Part of the reason why Kevin Durant left, no matter what Ketcher Perkins says. Part of the reason why Kevin Durant left was because he didn't want to play that style of ball anymore. He got tired of seeing Westbrook turn the ball over. Or or they're down two with four minutes to go. They don't run in the office. They just come down the court and Westbrook takes that random ass pull-up jump shot that only goes in about 35% of the time and kills a possession, swings momentum. Now they go down four as a four-point swing. You know, these things are, it's impossible. It's, you know, Paul George had an MVP caliber season and they still got beat in the first round. You're, gonna, you're not going to tell me that's Westbrook's fault? OPG was hurt? Knock it off. We, we, we know what the source is here. Yeah, no, nah, definitely. And I know Paul George was hurt. Like, he's going to have surgery on his shoulder. Right. But for me, at the end of game three, right, when they won game three, you remember at the end of the game, they got the game in hand. Mm-hmm. Seconds going down. My man Paul George was on a fast break and does a double pump, a double pump reverse <laughs> dunk. For no reason. Yeah, so for me... I'm like, how hurt is your shoulder, bro? Exactly. We, we out here, <laughs> he's like, you out here doing double pump reverse dunks 
just rub it in that you're winning this game. That's another thing with OKC. Their mentality for me just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. So the whole time, Dame and Portland, they're like, okay, we got this game, we got this game, let's get two more, let's go ahead and end this series. Okay, she got that one game and celebrated like they won a Super Bowl. Yes. And again, it's like, (laughs) what are we doing here? You got, at the end of the game five, Dame Dollar just gave you a 50-piece with a 37-foot game winner. And you're in the in the post game press conference talking about it's a bad shot. Like, <laughs> come on now, you know, like what are we doing here? And that speaks to your point about their mentality. Like they really, they still don't get it, in my opinion. Like they they still don't understand what it really takes to be a champion out here. You gotta say good shot and get the hell off the court when they ask you about it in the media. Hell of a shot. Next question. That should have yeah. been your response. Not be a hater. <laughs> you got fifty put yeah, on you, man. And- Nah, exactly. My man out here getting high cholesterol, being all salty. Salty. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> you can't be out here being that salty after that shot. You just gotta get props where it's due, especially when the uh, the rumor is he said green, like he was playing two K mm-hmm. when he took the shot. Wow. So if he calls it, <laughs> if wow. he calls it and says green on you, you have to give him credit for that. Wow. You have to give him credit. Like you just have to give him credit. Personally, that's my. I like that shot better than than the Kawhi shot. Cause to me, like, what kind of what kind of play? That's the coldest game winner series ender I've ever seen. 37, 36 feet ISO. One of the best defenders in the league, and you stare it down and wet it. Cold as ice. Yeah. No, and the crazy thing is, it's only it just if I say it's is first place on his list of game winners. You know, because he had that one against Houston a True, few years ago. ago. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so Dame led clutch. Don't put the clutch, ball in Dame. Man. If you a coach, foul Dame as soon as he catches the ball. Don't even give him a chance to shoot because it's going to go in. Uh, so yeah, let's, put, let's nah, push exactly. forward and then, and then we can bring it home. Any event, because, you know, I like where you're going. I like where your mind is at with the game. Any event that we do get the likely Milwaukee Golden State NBA Finals. For those that don't know, Golden State would not have home court. Home court would belong to Milwaukee. Uh, where are you leaning in that potential matchup? See, there's so many unknowns in that one because mm-hmm. does Kevin Durant come back? Is Kevin Durant's calf strain more than what they're letting on right, right. now? Um, they're saying DeMarcus Cousins could be back. So for me... I'm, of course, I'm leading Golden State. You got to take down the King. Mm-hmm. But I'm definitely not giving them this series in an easy way. Like, I think Milwaukee definitely does give them issues. If you don't have Kevin Durant and you have Giannis out there, so I guess you would put Draymond on Giannis and you still have to help out. Right. So if you're helping out, you got Brooke Lopez out there and you have all these other shooters. Malcolm Brogdon is a monster. Like, yeah. he's somebody who's very underrated. And him coming off the bench, I don't know if they're going to put him in the starting lineup for the finals since he'll be back into, you know, playing shape and everything. Mm-hmm. But having someone like that, George Hill, ball out of control right now. Um, Chris Middleton is definitely going to play better when he's not guarding Kawhi Leonard the whole game. So I think that Milwaukee could definitely give them some issues. Uh, I would lean, if there's no Kevin Durant, I would go Golden State in seven. Mm. They have Kevin Durant, I'm going to go Golden State in six. Okay, touche, touche. Mm-hmm. You know, I like that. I, I, I can't give it away just yet because I got to come back around like two more times, I think, or one more time before the final start. But I really wanted to pick your brain on that. But 
I, I'll say this. I'm leaning Golden State. All, right, all these people, I thought you was a Laker fan. You sure sound like a Warriors fan. Hey, I just like good basketball. <laughs> <laughs> it is what it is. Damien, you've been a hell of a guest. You are 100% going to be back on here at some point during the summer. We have to do this again. Um, for my people who are not familiar with your work, at this point in the gray area, I usually ask people to identify themselves. So, you know, your social media, let them know a little bit about your show, where they can find it, what times it come on, what, what, what sources on it, like iTunes, Spotify, wherever it's at. Let the people know where they can find Damien. Oh, man, I just want to say thank you for having me on, man. I had a blast yes, coming on the show with you, man. You, you really find people who um, know the sports like you do and are as passionate as you are. So I definitely appreciate coming on with you, man. And I got to have you on my show eventually pretty soon as well. I'll add um, me. I'm open for so business. Definitely. And for people who do not know the real deal with Damian Adams, is available everywhere. So Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, wherever you listen to podcasts, the real deal with Damian Adams is there. I usually drop once a week. I usually do it either Sunday night or Monday night. So I'm doing one tonight where I pick out this one. Okay. And you can find me on social media at the real deal WDA. So that's the real deal W as in whiskey, D as in Delta, A as in Alpha. And that's on all platforms Snapchat, Instagram, Twitter, everywhere you, you do on your phone. The real, deal w, the real deal WDA. You can find me there and you'll get access to all my videos and stuff like that and also my YouTube channel as well The Real Deal with Damian Adams on YouTube yes, sir. so man thank you again man I really do appreciate it yo my man thank you for having me I look forward to coming to your pod keep up the great work and we'll do this again real soon alright man yes sir ladies and gentlemen chapter 48 is in the books the road to 50 fire NBA Legacy Wars 3, Chapter 50, a month from now. Get ready. See, I'm pumping it, right? I'm look, It's a two-year anniversary. It's the 50th episode. It's the gray area. Find it everywhere. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, everywhere. You hear me? Holla at your boy. As the saying goes. Whether you like it or don't like it, sit down and look at it because it's the best going today. Woo! Perfect. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.